Hey everyone, quick announcement. Each week I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or, or national champion's life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors, links to guests, things of that nature. Currently, there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now Aim Size Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about Aim Size and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links. They'll give you a discount and then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product and I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever, comments, feedback. Regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not, I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Thanks. Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest has quite the accomplishments. He comes by way of NRA pistol shooting, the Marine Corps pistol team, and Top Shot. Join me in welcoming to the show 12-time national champion, Brian Zins. How you doing, Brian? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on. This is awesome. I've been looking forward to this. All right. So if you would take a moment and introduce yourself. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> hate <introducing> myself. That's <laughs> up to other people. Uh, I'm, I'm just a guy that learned how to shoot in the Marine Corps and got really good at it. Um, 12 time NRA national pistol champion, like you said, retired Marine gunnery sergeant. Um, Got a got a smoking hot wife and five kids and and, and, our, first, <laughs> and our first grandbaby. Um, oh wow! Yeah, a couple months. I haven't even met her yet. She's in Ohio, so they're coming down. Uh, I think in August they're coming down, so I'm finally going to get to meet her. Uh, other than that, that I mean, you hit it. You know, twelve time national pistol champion. Uh, resume wise, over 30 NRA national records held. Shot for the U.S. team, missed the Olympic team by four tenths of a point. Uh. And the, I, I remember the shot that did it. it uh, one, one shot, and I can still see exactly where it went. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. All right. We'll have to come back to that one. <laughs> So, Brian, what I normally like to do is start off with some um, questions right off the bat, some icebreaker questions, a little bit more personal than the others, just to kind of get to know the guest. Okay. Uh, a lot of times, these are the hardest questions of the day. <laughs> All right. So, get number one, <laughs> exactly. Get your brain moving. <laughs> Favorite movie? Oh, Tombstone. Oh, well, that was quick. That wasn't difficult at all. Yeah, and funny funny story behind the tombstone thing. When I met my wife, we were both previously married, so there's five kids between us. Oh, uh, uh, okay. But our first date, literally, the uh, the moment of truth when I knew was when I asked her what her favorite movie was, and she said Tombstone. And I'm like, Wow! I'm like, you got to be kidding me! <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> a, a movie about pistol marksmanship. I mean. Yep. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. All right. Favorite book. Favorite book. 
it, it hard to narrow it down to a book, but I think it was uh, W.E.B. Griffin wrote this the core series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I I I can't pinpoint which one of them. I think there were like six of them in the series, but just that whole series of books was just incredible. All right, I've got to ask you because I I typically stay away from books that are or even series that are like that. Like, um, I don't, I've never watched the movie series Sniper, uh, just because I, I would nitpick it to death. So having been in the Marines for 20 years and reading that, what, what did you like about it? They, they mixed in, um, the fictional aspect along with a lot of factual things from world war two, it dealt with the uh, OSS guys back then and the secret operations that they were running on surveillance stuff out of Australia mm. and some other things that they were doing. Cause it actually started in of all places, China as a China, he was a, the main character was a China Marine and over there doing secret stuff. And he was just a young Lance corporal that ended up rising up, you know, to the rank of captain eventually, but the whole series of the book, based on you know world war ii in the pacific and what they were doing there, there was a lot of accurate historical stuff involved in it too okay interesting now that i better write that down because i might be reading that one then <laughs> it was one of the books that when we were traveling a lot that somebody had just handed me and said here check this out and i read the first one and i think four of them four or five of them were out at the time when i started reading them and it was literally just one season that I finished all four books just while we were traveling, you know, waiting to shoot matches, sitting in a hotel, sitting on the, you know, behind the fire line, waiting for your relay to start. They were just very good. You know, it's funny you say that because typically when I talk to Marines, they're grunts, they're 0311 infantry guys or whatever, because they end up becoming snipers. So a lot of the guys are long range guys. And I always say, you know, like you and me, we were in well before Al Gore uh, invented the Internet. So <laughs> whenever you're deployed or, you know, like you going on match trips and all that, everybody was reading. Everybody had a book and you typically, you know, just handed yours off to somebody else. So you didn't have to have a dozen books because if you had whoever you were deploying with or traveling with, you could just switch out your books with them and read something different. Yep. Uh, I'm finding today that is becoming a lost art reading. Oh, it is. And and, and I got to admit, I mean, since the internet camera, I, I've not read a lot of books. I mean, the movies are out there. I watch a lot of documentaries, you know, hmm. okay. books, books with video. But <laughs> 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 yeah. Not, not a whole lot of books. Um, now I find myself reading more cookbooks than anything else, though. So. Oh, okay. A do-it-yourself book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy cooking, so. Nothing wrong with that. I got a uh, Blackstone griddle a couple years back, and holy cow, I love that thing. Yeah, I got I got the griddle, the smoker, and the grill on the back deck. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, tough question number three. Um, I don't know if you're into superheroes. N not really my big thing. Um, if so, who's your favorite superhero or your favorite historical figure? Uh. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Um, wouldn't really call myself a big superhero guy i've seen all the marvel stuff uh but i gotta tell you and, and was never a big fan of the batman but the latest one that came out i think it was uh christian is it christian patterson pattinson that played the batman in the last movie the whole movie was a little bit darker and the batman character himself was darker than what all the marvel stuff portrayed them to be and that's what the Dark Knight originally was, was he was a dark, dark hero. So. 
Yeah, I haven't seen the latest one. I remember when Christian Bale did the uh, the Dark Knight, but I haven't seen the the latest ones. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, the Dark Knight was good, but it still wasn't as dark because he was still a little too touchy feely, and I found him to be a little too emotionally uh, hmm. disturbed. But okay. but the last one, the Batman, he he's just he's just a dark hero. And I, I thought it was done really well. I'll have to check it out. All right. Now I'm we may already know the answer to this question, but I gotta ask it anyway. Favorite gun and caliber, and they don't have to be intertwined. Like if your favorite gun's a 1911, doesn't mean your favorite caliber has to be 45, but it can be. So there's your question. Well, it is definitely a 1911, and it is okay. definitely 45. All right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, like I explained to people, it's like a 1911 in any other caliber than 45 is like kissing your sister. <laughs> just, just <ain't> right. <laughs> I love it. That is hilarious. Oh, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you either. <laughs> I mean, John All right. Got the whole design and the caliber and everything correct. And, and that's one of the biggest things that I've read. I actually taught a class down here for a long time, just about the 1911. And it was for 1911 shooters only. If you didn't have a 1911, you couldn't get in the class. I would let people with nine millimeters get in, but it still had to be strictly a 1911 class. Well, the first hour of the class was nothing but history of the 1911. And oh, how they wow. out with, you know, all the prototypes and all the people that uh, had submitted designs for a new 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 pistol with a bigger caliber gun because the nine or the 38s that they were carrying just it just wasn't doing a trick and they needed something so that they knew when they hit somebody so they wanted a bigger heavier caliber to take down guys that were hopped up on you know natural narcotics and things and so it's the 45 there you go can't go wrong with that all right the the final question I typically um, create specifically for the guests, so it's unique to them. But yours is a two-parter because you have a unique background. So the question is, your favorite experiences, one, in the Marines, and two, on Top Shot? For me in the Marines, there, uh, there's there's two. Um and they're and they're both very similar while in the Marine Corps. The first time, because I won my first national championship was in '96, then in '98, then I was off doing Marine things, off on recruiting duty. And by the time I come back in 2001 and, and shot nationals again, I won my third in 2001. 2002 was the first year I was actually going to nationals to defend my title mm. in back-to-back -back years. Um, so just getting through that for that pressure, because I already won three national championships, but now I'm actually going back to defend a consecutive year. And for whatever reason, that was a, that was a big moment. But the other one that sticks out, and I think this is probably my favorite, any year that I won nationals, the pistol team, we just couldn't seem to get the service pistol matches all together. And I, I would win nationals, but we failed at what we went to Camp Perry to do. And that was to win the service pistol team match to go and win the gold cup and bring it back to weapons training battalion. And I want to say it was 2005, if I'm not mistaken, that, it, it was such a big year for me because I won nationals and that would have been 2001, two, three, four, five. That would have been my seventh. I'd have been the first guy to win seven national championships. And on top of that, we won the gold cup that year. Mm. And everybody's like, Hey, congratulations. You won nationals again. And I'm like, yeah, forget that. We won the gold cup. We did what we trained all year to do what we get paid to do. And that's to win the gold cup. It's not about me winning the individual. It's not about anybody winning the Custer Trophy, taking the winning the leg match. It's about the pistol team taking home the gold cup, and that was that was a big moment for me in the Marine Corps. 
I I assume AMU was your biggest competition um, every year. Yes. In in the beginning, right before I got um my first couple years on the team as a young Lance Corporal, there were a couple Texas teams and Tennessee teams that posted some really good service pistol teams that we we couldn't okay. get out. For whatever reason, they had some really hard teams. Most of them were retired guard guys or military guys on their teams. But but probably in say mid to late nineties, it, it was just us in the AMU. Okay. I I didn't write the question down. Um, but I, I'm gonna go ahead and ask it now because I know I'll forget. So you you mentioned going back in 2002 and defending your national title, but how did 2000 how did 9/11 affect those matches afterward? Because most of the military, whether it be the Army or Marine Corps, were devoted to uh, operations overseas. We actually in 2002. Um... We, we didn't have a summer team. We didn't have the division matches. We didn't have the Marine Corps mm. championships. And we just had our guys that we had at Quantico on the permanent team. And we went deep selected, you know, four or five experienced shooters that we'd had on the teams in the past and brought them back to Quantico if they were available. And that's what we did. We just, we looked and we're like, hey, here's a list of guys. Let's find out where they are. If they're in a position where they can actually get away from their unit and come shoot with us. I want to say that that year we probably only had about a 10 man team. If that. Wow. And that was the permanent guys plus a couple deep selected guys. Okay. I could see that because as soon as I saw, I was looking through your timeline on the internet and I'm like, mm, I wonder how all of that got affected. Okay. Yeah, we were, sure actually, it, it, we were in, we were shooting in, uh, we were shooting a lobster match up in Maine on 9-10. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, on 9, well, 9-10, 9-8, we were shooting the match. 9-10 was a travel day. So we drove back to Quantico. This was after our summer road trip. We, we went and hit like three matches and one trip never came home. So we just go from match to match to match, you know, a couple of days of golf in between and train a day, shoot the match, drive, golf for a day or two, train, shoot the match, drive for a day, golf for a day or two. <laughs> but we were actually driving back. <laughs> and we had actually gotten back into Quantico that night. So we were actually home that morning of 9-11. And we were all, oh. sitting, we were all sitting at home because I – you know, we had told him, we're like, hey, don't go back to the battalion till the next day, you know, and we'll all get checked in, turn in our, all our equipment and everything. And we were all sitting at home watching the news like everybody else when it was unfolding. Wow. Good thing you were already past Northern Virginia and home. Otherwise, that would have been a mess. It, well, what was funny is a couple of the guys that I was traveling with, and myself included, because we had, it was a two-day travel. And a couple of them said, well, we might stop in New York City and go watch the opening bell on Wall Street. Mm. I almost went out and visited friends out on Long Island, spent the night with them, and then would have been leaving on 9-11 trying to get out of New York that morning. Holy cow. But for whatever reason, we all just like, now we're just going to drive through. Thank God, in retrospect, that's what you did. Yeah. Wow. That would have been, uh, who knows how long it would have taken you to get back. Yep. Wow. It's weird how little decisions you make can make a, can affect you as much as, you know, they can. Yep. All right. So from what I could tell you, you grew up in Ohio. Correct. Um, so when did you first shoot a gun? I mean, I grew up out in the country and mm -hmm. we never did any shooting or hunting or anything like that. That's not what, we did um but we had a bb gun my dad had a couple guns in the house 22 shotgun um and the only thing we ever did we you know we planked tin cans in the backyard with the bb gun and every once in a while if the rabbits wouldn't stay out of my mom's garden you know 
we, we chased the rabbits out with, with the 22. But that was really it. I really didn't do any shooting until I got in the Marine Corps. Now, that's pretty surprising because from what I – well, I'll get there in a minute. Um, before that, so you didn't do any shooting. And then, uh, unlike most enlisted guys, you didn't just join the Marines after high school. You started going to college first, dropped out, and then joined the Marines. I did. And I did. what what made you drop out and join the Marines? I, <laughs> I, I have, I have a history, a family history of guys that have served. Uh, I've got a great uncle. He's still alive. He was, uh, he was a Marine in Vietnam, came back, got his degree, was a cop in Ohio and saw how corrupt law enforcement was and where we were at. And he decided, Hey, he joined the army as an officer. And he'd actually went back and did a whole family tree and wrote a you know, big, we got a big coffee table book. It's probably sitting in here somewhere and found out that on our side of the family, our ancestor actually came to the United States as a Hessian mercenary fighting for the British. Wow. Was captured at the battle of Ticonderoga. And when they released him, he decided to stay. So we've got, you know, and just reading through the book, you know, Almost the majority of the males on that side of the family have served in the military. I mean, we go back to fighting wars back when guys were throwing rocks at each other, I'm pretty sure. So <laughs> it, it was a calling. <laughs> it, it, was just, oh. it wasn't anything I had ever really planned on doing. Um, I was in college for law enforcement. And I, I got to a point where I'm just like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of learning. I want to go do. Yeah. So I, I was a recruiter's dream. I walked in and said, I want to join the Marine Corps. I want to be a military policeman. And he says, when do you want to leave? I said, well, I said, I already, you know, enrolled for college for the next semester. So I'm going to finish that so I can go anytime in April. And he goes, how long you want to go for? I said, I can retire at 20, right? <laughs> and he says, he goes, let's start with, he goes, we can do a QEP six years. And I go, sure, six, good start. And and that was it. <laughs> I, I was very similar, but I was going between, I, I signed up delayed entry in between my junior and senior high school years. But I did the same thing. I walked in, I'm like, but I was like, I, I want to be infantry. <laughs> so yeah. very I, easy. I just figured I was studying. I was looking at going into like the marshals or something. Hmm. And because I wanted to go into federal law enforcement. And then after, you know, two semesters of college, I was just like, I just want to go do. And, and why the Marines at the time, I didn't realize that my uncle Bobby had been a Marine. I knew he was in the army because we saw his, you know, any of his pictures, he had his army officer's uniforms, but we never, I never realized he was in the Marine Corps prior to that. And all my family, my dad, grandfathers uncles were all navy guys and i'm like yeah i, I gotta i gotta fix this i'm going into marine corps <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh, my dad was actually the head coach of the marine corps rifle team in the 70s and the early 80s so yep that's that's where i got my start in marksmanship <laughs> long time ago um all right so you go to paris island then you go to your school um, to be a military police officer. But I also noticed that you were the Top Gun Award winner, but you haven't shot pistols. So how in the world were you able to pick that up so easily? I, well, I was one I, my my platoon and boot camp couldn't shoot. I was one of four guys that shot expert in boot camp in my platoon. One of four. One of four. That was and it. We're, we're talking yeah. like 70 people. Well, we started out with 72. I think we graduated like 38 or something. It was. Oh, it was. Whoa. Yeah, it was fourth battalion. and We were the fourth platoon. So we <laughs> third battalion, fourth platoon in the series. So we're that. You now that 
that kind of that bastard platoon that got picked up last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of guys get hurt. A lot of guys get dropped. Um, wow. But like I said, four, four experts out of our platoon. And, and I don't know, went to San Antonio, went down to Lackland Air Force Base for the MP school. And it just, it clicked. But again, I had a great instructor there. Uh, was Sergeant, Obviously. Sergeant Gunther was the uh, firearms instructor. And, and a funny story, we're standing out there with the 1911s and I'm holding it, you know, and I'm, I'm like, dude, this is going clank, 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 clank. And I looked and I said, uh, should it be doing that? And he goes, if it doesn't, it's broke. <laughs> okay. And, and back then that's about right. <laughs> you know, they, everything rattled. So they, could, yep. you know, and, and, and I don't know, I just, it, it happened. I, I was the top gun out of MP school. And then right before we had finished school and right before we were all to leave, they said, Hey, we're going to extend you guys here one week. The Bredas came in. We want you to go back to the range and qualify with those as well. So went shot expert with the 92 that didn't care for it, but that was going to be the gun. Right. So you got in right when the Beretta came in then. Yeah, just as they were filling up the armories, I was I was there. Wow. Okay. Because I when I came in, it was like my first division match was Far East in '86, and we were shooting 1911s. Yeah. So. Well, we and we had still continued. It was a while before because that would have been '88 was boot camp. 89 and 90, I think we still shot the, uh, well, I know we shot the 1911s at the Marine Corps Championship because we couldn't figure out how to make the Bredas accurate at 50 yards. Because, yeah, you'd be lucky if you could hit hit a five, keep keep it inside a five ring at 50 yards with the Beretta. Yeah, Just people are still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but even with that, we still shot the, the 1911s at division matches for a while before they had enough, once all the units were outfitted with them, then they were starting to let, you know, teams start to dabble in it. Okay. So from there, um, in just three years, I believe it was what, 91, you became distinguished with a pistol? Yes. I that, was. That's pretty quick. I was, 90 was my first well, actually, 89 was my first division match. I missed the medal bracket by a couple points. So I went back in 90, took a medal, went to the Marine Corps Championships, took silver, and shot the summer. And I still needed – any. I was down to anything with a pin. I think I needed four points or whatever it worked out to mm. be. Okay. And in 91, Captain Belke was the OIC of the pistol team. And at the beginning of the year, he tells me, he goes, Zinz. You only need four points. I'm going to let you shoot one match before we go to Camp Perry. One leg match. You're allowed to shoot four. <laughs> and he's going to let you shoot one. One. I'm going to let you shoot one leg match before Camp Perry. I get to pick the match. I'm like, very well, sir. So we were shooting. Uh, this was back when inner service was down in Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh. And... We had shot the uh, Arkansas State Championship, or the re- I think it was a regional, the weekend prior to inner service. And we're standing there, and he goes, come with me. We walk up, and he asks the stat guy, he goes, how many uh, people you guys shooting a leg match today? He says, uh, 11. One medal. And he goes, all right, Zins, shoot this one. <laughs> wow. Very well, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was really cool because I shot one and literally at within five minutes he was pinning the badge on me. Wow. He brought it with him. All right, that's pretty cool yeah. that he did that. He, he he brought it with him. Yeah. So and and I was the first distinguished Lance Corporal with pistol. Again, impressive. Yeah. Which years later, one of the young guys we had on the team comes up and he goes, Hey, 
because it and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I can see him, but I can't remember his name. He comes up and he's like, he went distinguished as a lance corporal. And he goes, mm. Hey, am I the first distinguished pistol shot, Lance Corporal? And I went, No. He goes, Really? Who is? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> like, <"Yep." laughs> oh, day late and a dollar short, buddy. Yeah. It's <laughs> still a great a, a great accomplishment on his part. Any Lance Corporal that has that can go distinguished with a pistol is impressive. Yes. Totally agree. Yeah. All right. So I also find it interesting that, I mean, you did your first division match in 89. So you went, you went in the Marine Corps in the spring of 88, went to MP school, got assigned somewhere. And within a year, you're shooting your first division match. How in the world did you get to that division match? I had, uh, when I left MP school, we checked into uh, second emphasis, or I'm sorry, first emphasis. This one's on the West Coast. First, first FSSG. First, yeah, first FSSG. <laughs> there's there's like 17 of us that show up at MP Company and H&S Battalion, you know, and they're like, uh, there's too many of you. We don't know what to do with you. Uh, go, go, go do your BST training and, and go, go qualify. So just so they can figure out where to put us, you know, how to break break us down in the in the company. And I'm like, okay. So we're out there shooting. And my coach, uh, this would have been uh, Lance Corporal Matt Briggs at the time, uh, now retired from the uh, uh, Border Patrol and Customs. We mm. still, I still talk to him. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm out there shooting rifle. And he's like, and, and, and again, you know, I was, I was like the high shooter on that thing there with the rifle. And he's like, I, I like how you shoot. He says, it's very natural. I'm like, cool, thanks. I learned last year in boot camp. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he goes, he says, can you shoot a pistol? I, I said, honestly, I think I shoot a pistol a little bit better than I do a rifle. He goes, great. I want you to shoot division matches with us in the spring. I'm like, all right. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, don't worry about it. I'll let you know. I'm like, okay. We lived in the same barracks in the same building. You know, he was a heavy equipment operator, but now he's serving as a PMI there in the battalion. And and it was crazy because I'm sitting in uh, I'm sitting in a Humvee school. And the sergeant who was in charge of the Humvee school, it was all, all again, all these new guys that we had checked into the MP company with. We're sitting in there like, okay, we're going to learn. We're going to spend a week or two weeks, whatever it is, to go through this and learn how to do maintenance and change a flat tire on a Humvee and drive it. Right. Well, the first day, he's in there and he's like, you're in Humvee school for the next two weeks. You don't go anywhere. You don't go to medical. You don't go to dental. You don't come in late. You don't go anywhere. You're mine for the next two weeks. You don't go anywhere unless I tell you where to go. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. Day two, <laughs> we're sitting in there. And somebody knocks on the door and comes into the classroom and and it's Matt Briggs, Lance Corporal Matt Briggs, my PMI. And he looks and goes, hey, uh, I'm here for Lance Corporal Zenz. He goes, well, he's in Humvee school. He walks up, hands him a piece of paper by order of the commanding general of headquarters. <laughs> first emphasis, gee, he's on the team. He goes to him and he goes, look, reads the paper and he goes, Zenz, go with him. <laughs> Yeah. And that was it. That's where it all started. Did you ever make it back to Humvee school? I mean, it's extremely critical. I, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> we, a quick story on my end. I was a second recon right before Desert Storm kicked off. And one of the coolest things we got to do was they're like, look, we're going to be driving in the desert. We're going to be driving at night. We're going to be doing this because we're like, it's going to be mounted patrols because there's so much distance. So we were driving on Onslow Beach at night with night vision devices, vehicles blacked out. And I'm like, somebody's going to freaking drive into the surf. Yeah. But it was fun. <laughs> we didn't have to do all the maintenance stuff, though. We just got to put on the night vision devices and drive the vehicle. So that was fun. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I think I, now, I think I was in Humvee school long enough to break a wheel. <laughs> we were out bouncing through the woods, and I came down hard on a rock, and the tire blew, and it actually bent the wheel. So he was Oh, the rip. Wow. Yeah. He was probably happy to get rid of me. I was breaking the stuff. 
<laughs> right. Holy cow. Who is this dude? Doesn't even know how to drive. All right. So you shot your first match in, in division match in 89. You said you were just what, like four points away from getting yeah, a medal. Just outside the medal bracket. Okay. So I take it you then go back to your unit, first FSSG. And went back to my unit and a couple, maybe a month or two later, first sergeant comes out or company gunny, whoever it was, comes out and says, hey, battalion's looking for two people to fill a PMI spot. You know, any volunteers? Of course there's going to be volunteers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody's like, oh, hey, I want to go. I want to go do that. As I, the saying goes, every swinging dick. Yeah, <laughs> I drink my hand. I'm like, okay, of course they want to go. And they're probably going to get rid of the guys that they don't want to have in the company just to, just to pawn them off on somebody else. Yep. Well, one of my buddies that I went to MP school with chimes up and he goes, hey, he's the best shooter in the company. He just went to division matches. He should go. I'm like, oh, hey, thanks, man. And they're like, you want to go? I'm like, sure, I'll go. And there you have it. There you have it. And then it was after that, it was shooting and training and getting ready for the next division matches. All right. So for the audience who aren't former Marines, first FSST is force service support group and PMI is primary marksmanship instructor. So there you go. Now you were awarded that MOS. Were you not at the end of division matches? Yes, actually. Okay. Yeah. And that's the thing I was, there was, we were the only two, the two that they sent, we were the only two certified PME PMIs because we had both gone to division matches prior to that. So it was okay. like, we don't have to go get trained. We've already been through division matches and you get that, that MOS. Yeah. Cause that's, I, I, I say that technically I've been instructing people since 1986 because that's when I was awarded the PMI right. MOS. Yeah. So and then every year we'd have to go to qual. Guess who always had to help people get ready for qual? So, yep. Yeah. You got ready. So you did the PMI stuff after that. Um, you shot again division matches. So Western division matches in 90. Obviously you meddled and then they picked you up for the summer team. Yep. And and the funny thing is I, I didn't know this. I found out later. Um Andy Moody, uh, you probably knew Andy as much time as, you know, you know, being around weapons training battalion, Andy was a mainstay there. Andy is probably the guy I credit most with, with my shooting because he, he really did kind of take me under his wing as a young Lance corporal and taught me a lot of stuff and got me thinking a lot different about things, which I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that about a dot later. But Andy was telling me, he goes, you know, this is a couple of years later. He goes, you know, he said that division matches. He says, I didn't want to pick you up. Oh, I'm like, really? He goes, no. He says, you were a Lance Corporal. You were new to the Marine Corps. You had no MOS time. And I just figured, you know, we'll, we'll see him again. Let him get some time in the Marine Corps, become a Marine and, you know, mature as a Marine a little bit. He'll come back and then we'll pick him up. And everybody kind of agreed with him, except for Captain Belkey. Captain uh. Belkey noted, we're picking him up, put him on the list. It, it was, yeah. <laughs> so thanks to Andy, I learned how to shoot much better. And thanks to Captain Belkey, I had the opportunity to shoot. What what went through your mind when he told you that story? Oh, I didn't blame him one bit. I was a Lance Corporal. I wouldn't pick me up either. <laughs> I, I mean, and when I got to Quantico, you know, sure, I'm with the summer team. I'm a Lance Corporal, and they're, you know, and I'm the junior guy there. Oh, sure. And then I get picked up. They get me orders, you know, you know, the Gulf War kicks off. I'm over there, and I got, um, I got orders to go back to Quantico. To go to Weapon Train, Master Sergeant Fanagrosi, who was the staff NCOIC of the team, sends me a letter, just a regular, just a regular letter. Hey, keep your head down, don't get dead, do this, and hold on tight. Your orders are getting worked through, and we're gonna have you back here on the team in no time. All right, cool, whatever. You know, 
it is what it is. And sure enough, one day I come across and they're like, Zane, you got orders. And I'm like, well, they're not letting anybody go. They, you know, it was a stop loss type of thing. They're like, nobody's getting out. Nobody's leaving. And even the guys, I had guys there with me that were supposed to leave the same time I did that ended up staying until the end. And, and it was funny because when I went and met with the first sergeant, he's like, well, these are CMC directed orders. So apparently I can't do anything about stopping them. So, you know, you're going to Quantico. You better start learning how to salute being an MP. He thinks I'm standing on a gate. <laughs> right. And I was like, well, actually I'm going to weapons training battalion. And he goes, you're not going to shoot some pistol match. Are you? <laughs> well, well, I actually first started, I'm going to shoot several pistol matches. I'm going to the shooting team. <laughs> Signing orders and said, here you go. Okay. I'm surprised he didn't go ask you who you knew that to be able to get those orders. Yeah, so. No, he didn't. He just kind of figured, obviously, so, well, they must need you in Quantico and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So, and, so, and it's funny because two of my, uh, my fire team leader and my squad leader over there are like, hey, we're going to put you up for for the uh, meritorious corporal board and i'm like cool don't <laughs> and this is way before i had orders but i had the letter from master sergeant fanagrosi saying we're getting your orders we're not going to be able to do anything about them and they go what do you mean you don't want to get promoted i was like no i do i said i'm not going to be here and they're like okay where, where are you going yeah <laughs> <laughs> you defecting and i'm like I'm getting orders that they're stopping orders. I'm like, they can't stop these orders. These are CMC directed commandant of the Marine Corps directed orders. Yeah. The, that special assignments monitor. I'm like they can't stop them. When these orders come in, I'm leaving. So put somebody else up for the corporal board. That's going to be here. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that when I get back stateside. There you go. Yeah, pe uh, uh, it, people who have never been a part of the teams don't understand, at least back in the day, how much pull that place had. Oh, no. I, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to special assignments, they, yeah. I know when Colonel Willis was the CO out there, he basically had carte blanche to do whatever, whomever, whatever. I mean, he, he had a direct, it was almost like, the red the red phone between the president and the russian president you know what i mean yep like right to commandant of the marine corps i need this okay you got okay. it you got it yeah it was amazing how much pull that place had and and i think that was more than weapons training battalion that was colonel willis <laughs> well that that is true he did have that kind of it was i mean yeah and, i was cuz jack cuddy had a lot of that pull too jack Jack Cuddy was the XO and took over mm -hmm. there. And Jack was a great guy as well. I mean, he, he, he really was. He was Marine Marine. Um, after that, though, that they, they, they kind of lost that pool with whoever they brought in there in charge. Well, and, and Jack Cuddy had been around that environment for a long yeah. time too. So he had built those relationships as well. Yep. Um, but here's how far back I go. I We were in Camp Perry, Ohio, the same year that Elvis died. Um, so I don't know, maybe 77, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, and Colonel Reynolds was the CEO of Weapons Training Battalion and died in a plane crash. And Colonel Willis took over. Wow. Yeah, that's how Colonel Willis became the CEO of Weapons Training Battalion. And then he stayed there for at least 10 years because I forget when Colonel Cuddy took over. But, yeah, late was, 80s, uh, right around 90, somewhere in there. Yeah, because he was – Colonel Willis was there the summer of 90, and I want to say it was 91 that okay took over. Yeah, because I think yeah. I was there for the last he, – he actually started the two – he started the summer season of 90. I remember Colonel Willis's, you know, lawnmower speech. 
everybody, you know, the summer team, he says, everybody underneath the rank of Colonel pushes a lawnmower here and don't touch lawnmower three. That's mine. And yeah, that's legit. Yeah. Yes, he did. I push him over. You push him over. Full bird Colonel out there mowing lawns. Pushing yeah. a lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. That was one fit individual too. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for that guy. A lot crap ton of respect we go we go way back brian we don't even know it (laughs) well and here's the funny thing for the audience you and i so you're on the pistol team in the summer of 90 i'm on the rifle team in the summer of 90 and then for the next three years we literally had 35 yards between our doors and i don't know that we ever talked probably not yeah, because the sniper school is right next door to the indoor pistol range. It's yeah. like 35 yards away to that corner post. And we actually would we would take our students in there to do M40X training before yep. we took them out to range four with the M40. So it's like, but I don't know how many people were out there that I just didn't know because we were busy doing our thing. Other people are busy doing their thing and you just oh, didn't yeah. see people. Yeah, especially, I mean, especially that, that, that summertime frame, you know, from, from, mm-hmm. May, from May to mid August. Yeah. Nonstop. You're just people you know, coming and going. Yeah. PT, shoot, lunch, shoot, clean, mow grass, go to bed. PT, shoot, lunch, mow, shoot, mow grass, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You got the, from 91 to 94, you're on the permanent team out there. So you're assigned. You got orders, um, and in '92. So how how was your actually? Let's back up. How was your first year on the team then? It on was the permanent weird. team. It was weird because it's Lance Corporal, Sergeant, Staff Sergeant, Staff Sergeant, Staff Sergeant, Gunny, Gunny, Master Sergeant, Master Gunny, Chief Warren, wow. and, and 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 the Captain. And I'm out traveling, shooting pistol matches especially that year when the Gulf War kicked off, you know, again, that time we we didn't really pick anybody up in 91. I don't think we did a whole lot of, you know, it was really just a small group because the Gulf War was going on. Right. Um, But it's weird going out, you know, the team, we go out to dinner and it's a Lance Corporal and, you know, one other sergeant and the rest are all staff and senior staff NCOs, warrant officer and a gunny or a, and a captain. Wow. It, it was, it was just freaky, <laughs> 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 but, but then you go and you do the, the division match instruction detail. And here I am a Lance corporal teaching a class, you know, an auditorium of anywhere between two and 300 plus Marines on how to shoot a pistol, you know? And and you get yeah. a lot of a lot of side eye like, right? This guy going to teach me, you know? <laughs> right? And, and and it was funny because even when I was a PMI out of weapons training, but they're out in California, you know, I'd have you know we'd have our pistol class, we go out to the range, and I'd have you know, and the officers never did the dry fire week or anything. They would just show up for qual day, you know, mm, or they'd be there yep. for safety brief portion of it, and they're like son i've been shooting this pistol longer than you've been on the planet longer than you've been alive and i would just say one thing i'll shoot you for a paycheck sir <laughs> uh, win, i give you mine i win i get yours for a month and they're like oh i couldn't do that i couldn't take your money i'm like oh you ain't taking my money <laughs> <laughs> right that, that ain't gonna happen <laughs> good thing you're living in boq you yeah. don't have a mortgage to pay yeah, they're like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Good retort. Oh, yeah. So then, all right, so you, you finish up that year. That was your first year going to Perry. Uh, oh, no, you probably went the year before on the okay. summer team. Yep. Um, so uh, that was your second time. Now, 92. At this point now, you've had a full year, um, a whole complete season. You're going into something new. How was that? Had you gotten promoted at that point? Yeah, I think I had just been promoted to corporal because 
as we all know, Lance, Lance Corporal and the Marine Corps, or, or actually, no, I'm sorry, because it was Lance Corporal was 88. I had picked up Corporal. Yeah, because it took me three and a half years to go from Lance Corporal to Corporal, and it was like 14 months to pick up Sergeant, which was unheard oh, wow. It was right. unheard because, but the thing is, after, you know, the Gulf War and everything, a lot of guys were just getting out. Mm, and okay and, and they, they were just running out they were running low they were you know the mp field was just hurting because captain belker i remember when before i got promoted he comes over and he goes hey uh he goes i'm not gonna have any uh corporals and below next year i'm like where, where am i going <laughs> he goes you're not going anywhere you're getting promoted i'm like come on sir i said i've only been a corporal for like a year he goes Go, go, go read the cutting score. Sure Ooh. enough. Yeah. 14 months as a, as a corporal. Nice. Yeah. Now, did the fact that you were second at Perry in 92, did that no influence at all, huh? Nothing whatsoever. Nope. That was just, now, it was just strictly MOS stuff. Okay. Now, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out now since I, I mentioned that. On the rifle team side, if you were the national champion, you got promoted by commandant by the commandant at Perry. Was it the same for the pistol team? Yes. So you should have been a full bird colonel then by the time you retired. <laughs> well, then I found out. They can only meritoriously promote you to the rank of gunning. That's the highest. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, that's that, cheating. No, no. Yeah. And that was both sides. So I did get meritoriously promoted to staff sergeant. Okay. But I did not get, I was, I was supposed to have been meritoriously promoted to gunny. But. But I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Was that because you were already on the list to be promoted? So like, ah, you'll get it. I, well, I didn't realize this, but I did get it. Okay. Off the next list. However, that's not why I was not promoted. Okay. This this might uh, be an off the record conversation for later. <laughs> I'll just leave it. At this. I, I, had, I had words with an officer mm. on recruiting. Oh. Okay. Yeah, and I'll leave it at that. Until next time, don't be a little bitch. Yeah.